I hated my job. We started thinking about how we get home. And there's this other component in our life, which is very enriching and wonderful. And all those things kind of came together. Kara and I were visiting family back home. We were running on the NCR trail and Kara said, Baltimore needs a Runtex. And then I just started putting together the step-by-step, how do we get there? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Be More Well with me, Jeff St. Pierre. This is episode 13, featuring the owner and founder of Charm City Run, Josh Levinson. I've always wanted to hear the full story of how Charm City Run came about and how it took over the local running scene. Not only took it over, but helped it grow to new heights as well. But more about that in just a minute. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast where I speak with both physical and mental health professionals, athletes, coaches, trainers, musicians, and most importantly, people just like you and I. My mission is to bring you information, knowledge, and stories from others about how they found their path to wellness so you can find your own personal journey as well. Now we say no two people are the same, so that means no two paths to wellness are the same. I hope you're able to find some inspiration from the stories that I share each week on this podcast. Selfishly, I'm looking for that inspiration too. I'm not an expert or a medical professional. I'm just like all of you looking for ways to be the best and happiest version of myself. One of the things that inspired me to start doing this podcast was I love to hear stories from people about how they accomplished their goals, whatever that goal may be. I love the backstory, you know, before the goal was even a thought. Then there's that moment. You know what I'm talking about? The light bulb over someone's head in a cartoon, that moment where the idea gets into a person's head and they know instantly that it needs to be done. And the work that it takes to get there is fascinating, too. For Josh and Kara Levinson, as you just heard, that moment happened during a run on the NCR Trail. For those of you that are not from the Baltimore area and don't know what I'm talking about, the NCR Trail is an infamous trail that is always packed with runners, walkers, and bikers. It's an old train route where the tracks were ripped up and turned into a trail. You can hop on this trail just north of Baltimore city limits and take it all the way up to Pennsylvania. Now, Josh and Kara were running enthusiasts that were from the Baltimore area but have been living in Austin, Texas. Austin always seems to be a step ahead of the rest of the country, right? While there were people running in Baltimore in the early 2000s, the running community was thriving in Austin. And it was that community that inspired Josh and Kara to take their love of running and their experience and bring it home to Baltimore. I first came across Charm City Run back in maybe 2009 or 2010. I was finally starting to take my health seriously, but my feet always hurt like hell. My trainer at the time suggested I go get fitted for shoes at Charm City Run. I had never even heard of getting fitted for shoes. Like, isn't that when I just tell them I have a size 11 and a half and they go out back and get it for me? For the record, no, it isn't. I walked into Charm City Run and I instantly fell in love with the store. Not just the way that it looked, but the people that were there. They were just awesome, comforting people. It was my inspiration to take up running and make it a hobby. So needless to say, I have a little bit of a soft spot for Charm City Run. And that's why I reached out to Josh Levinson to see if he'd be willing to jump on Be More Well to share his story with everyone. I'm so excited for you to hear more about how this tiny store in Timonium ended up growing into the dominant force in Baltimore running. Before we get there, just a reminder to please rate this podcast if you like it. Ratings help the podcast powers that be know which shows they want to push out to new listeners. And feel free to leave a comment as well. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, it's at Be More Well Podcast. And on Twitter, it's just Be More Well. I love to hear from you guys. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. How's everything going? You know, uh, as good as it can be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. How about for you? <laughs> 
a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's week. good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So two stores are open with precautions, you know, like the 50% capacity thing. Um, and five of the stores have curbside pickup now. So it definitely feels different than it did two weeks ago, for sure. Well, Josh, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, chat with me because I think you've got a, a pretty interesting story. And I just I like the way everything kind of came together for you. And I wanted to be able to share that story with some more people. Um, so I sure. appreciate you doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking me. Of course. So you are the, the you say co-owner because you own it with your wife, uh, right. Charm City Run. Um, so this has been around for what, 17 years now? 18 years. Oh, 18 years. Okay, 18 yeah. years. 18 uh, years for just now. And Timonium was your first location, right? Right. Exactly. And where are we at now? Seven? We're at seven locations. Did you ever think you'd be at seven locations when you started? <laughs> you make it sound like such a simple question. You know, <laughs> it's... um. You know, when we started, it was just about making one go. Mm -hmm. So can you turn a profit with one store? Can we feed our family? That That is goal number one. Um, and then you also look back and you're like, look, this is what we decided to do with our life. I think I'm a fairly competitive person and a fairly driven person. So once we made that commitment that Charm City Run was our life, I think it was like, we're going to do what we can. You know, there's no pressure to expand, but when it makes sense, um, and we love the concept, we love what it did for people, and we were like, when it makes sense, we'll grow. So take me back to before Charm City Run became a reality. It, you got, kind of had the idea before you even came back to Baltimore, because you and your wife were originally from this area, uh, but you did you meet in Austin, Texas? Is that where you guys met? We actually met here. Okay. She's from Columbia. Um, so we met in Towson, actually at Bill Bateman's, which is no longer right on the Towson <laughs> University oh, campus. One of my favorite spots. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I was applying to business school. I got into UT Austin. We had just started dating. And it was one of those things where I knew she was the one. And even though we had only been dating a couple months, you know, I said, hey, you know, I got into business school at University of Texas and University of Maryland. She had gone to University of Maryland. And she did not want to go back to College Park. So we went to Austin for a wedding, checked it out. Of course, she fell in love with it. And we were there the next four and a half years. Yeah, I mean, there are worse places to be, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, definitely. I've never been, but I've heard so many amazing things. Like, it's definitely on my bucket list of places I just want to go hang out for a week and just try to soak it all in. You got to go. You got to go. And like South by Southwest yeah. Music Festival, when that comes out, or Austin City Limits Music Festival. I mean, the town is crazy during those weeks. But it's also a lot of fun. So while you were there, is that where the idea for Charm City Rum was hatched? Yes. So definitely. what was what was the inspiration? Why, why, why in Austin, Texas, did you start thinking, I think we got to open a running store in Baltimore? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the foundations of Karen Mai's relationship is running. You know, we talked yeah. about it on our first date. We talked about it when we met. Um, it was something that we had both done a lot of coming into the relationship. Um, I started running when I was 10 years old. Um, and even though I played football and lacrosse, like I had always run for fitness, but also for mental health. I just love being alone out there and mm. just being by myself with my thoughts and, and maybe some music. So we moved to Austin. And of course, the way you find out about a town is to go running. Sure. So we're running around Town Lake there, which is right downtown. Um, and it's where everybody sort of goes to run. And there's these Powerade coolers and water coolers, you know, sort of at every major intersection. And there's hundreds of them. And we find out that a running specialty store had been putting them out and the running specialty store was called Runtex. And so, of course, Kara was like, we got to start shopping there. Um, and every time we were in there, it's sort of one of those magical experiences. You know, everybody was in a good mood. Mm -hmm. 
there was some energy there. Every time you go in, you're sort of observing, observing something else. You know, people are doing packet pickups for races and there's energy there, all different walks of life, socioeconomic diversity. It was just a neat place to be. So we started running more, started shopping there more. I decided I wanted to do a marathon. Kara got me a training program from there. Okay. And so now I'm showing up there at 5 a.m. on Saturday mornings. And again, postal workers, corporate executives, full-time moms, you name it. Everybody's there, 5 a.m., shorts, no shirt. You know, it's 1,000 degrees there. <laughs> and it was just a special feeling, you know? And so Runtex really gave me the idea. So the community there seems pretty impressive as far as the running community goes. And this is 2002-ish that we're talking about because you founded Charm City Run in 2002. What was the running community like in Baltimore at that time? I think it was disparate. I think a lot of people were running, not as many as today, you know, and they were getting their shoes at, you know, your Dick's, your sports authorities. You know, there was a place called Herman's. There was Hess Running Center, and I think um, Falls Road Running Center had opened up just a couple of years before we decided to open back here. So people were sort of getting their shoes where they got them. I don't think there was much internet business at that point, but there was probably some. And the community around running, I think, was around some races and also around the Baltimore Road Runners Club would have been the, the running community. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like then you had some very diehard and passionate runners, but the community wasn't as spread out as it is now. I mean, you can definitely see how much it's grown over the last 18 years that you've been in business uh, here alone. I mean, it's massive now. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I think the Baltimore Road Roadrunners Club, you know, they sort of met at Goucher and met at the trail and that's what they still do. You know, but now you talk about, you know, all the running groups downtown, all the running groups that are based at our stores. Um, all the training programs. I mean, there are people running everywhere and it's just awesome to see. So when you first get things rolling, you open up the doors in Timonia and what was the reaction like first? Quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took a little while. <laughs> I mean, you know, every small business person has the same story, right? I mean, you, you open and you're excited and you're sort of drinking your own Kool-Aid and you imagine that I grew up in the area. Kara grew up in the area. We have all these friends. We have all these parents we know of our kids. I mean, only one at the time. But, you know, you just, even though you try to be realistic, you just think you're going to open your doors and people are going to come flying in. And that's not what happens. I think of that too when I when I do anything via the radio or whenever I have a grand idea, I'm always like, I get to talk to people every single morning on the radio. I have this outlet and I've got people that, you know, follow via social media or whatever. This is gonna be a home run every time I have an idea. And then every right. time I do it, it's like crickets right after right. that. And I'm like, well, maybe I've got to do a little bit more. Right. Right. Did that message go out? Did anybody yeah. see it? Did we hit send? Yeah. Told them. Totally. But you persevered and you stuck with it. I I just want to go back really quick. You went to University of Texas at Austin for business school. So was the idea when you went there that you wanted to own your own business? Like that was your goal when you went to the school? No. A lot of people go to business school because they have a general interest in business, but they have no idea what they want to do. And they hope business school is going to shape it. Very few people, I think, go to business school thinking, here's what I want to do, and I need some education to fill the holes. Mm-hmm. If people know what they want to do, they're, they're pretty much doing it. 
Yeah. In, in my experience, you know, um, my dad was an entrepreneur that struggled mightily and he was a huge risk taker and I was the opposite. Um, I thought I would be a corporate guy, maybe be in a small business with a bunch of partners, but I mostly thought that I would be in, you know, in corporate America, uh, being a great team player and working really hard and putting my head down and that kind of thing. I would imagine after you go through school that you've got some loans you got to pay back probably to uh, pay everything off. Uh, how long after you were done with school did you guys decide to open the doors on Charm City Run? Um, so it was about, I graduated business school in 1999 and we opened in 2002. So three years. You know, when I, when I talk to folks about getting started, it's interesting. It's like a confluence of circumstances. I mean, you know, I went to work at Dell Computer. I love Dell Computer. There were so many great things going on. There were so many smart young people and it kept us in Austin, you know, but then we have our first kid and then we're starting to think about, do we want to return to Baltimore? You know, both of our families are here. Uh, do we want to raise our family in Baltimore? Or do we want to stay here? And then at the same time, I leave Dell to go work for this software startup because everybody was working for software startups because yeah. that was the <laughs> quickest way to make a lot of money, right? And I, I hated my job. We started thinking about how we get home. And there's this other component in our life, which is very enriching and wonderful. And all those things kind of came together. And we were, Kara and I were visiting family back home. We were running on the NCR trail and Kara said, Baltimore needs a run text. And then I thought, you know, at first I sort of dismissed her. Oh, that's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm meant to work for a big company. Um, but the feeling never left. And then I just started putting together the step-by-step, -step, how do we get there? And it all worked out. I think it's awesome too, that you guys were both, you know, basically on the same page. Like there wasn't really one person that had this big dream that needed to really work super hard to convince the other. Like, even though you might not have been on board at first, it was still in your head and you were like, okay, no, but maybe. You know? Right. So I like that you guys kind of had this idea as a team too. You know what I mean? There wasn't one person on the outside. Absolutely. And as, you know, and as life partners, like we've been very much aligned on the big ideas, you know, and that's, you're right. That's, that's a huge benefit. And, you know, for, look, entrepreneurship is, is very stressful. Sure. And, you know, you need a partner who is going to be supportive and is going to be able to weather the storm, like the one we're in, you know, um, because, you know, if, if, if there's certain ex financial expectations, or if there are certain expectations in terms of stability and time off, you know, those don't go well with entrepreneurship at the beginning. I, uh, I commend any entrepreneur because I think I, I'd be so terrified of the risk. You know, like you were saying before, you weren't a risk taker at first. Your dad was, and it was not really your thing. Right. And that's kind of where I fight. Like I just, when I hear entrepreneur stories from people that say like, oh, I lost $5 million in my first year. I'm thinking, how can you lose $5 million <laughs> and still be okay with all of this? <laughs> but those stories seem to take up most of the space and those stories aren't necessarily the most prevalent. You know, there's sure. entrepreneurs out there that are big swingers and they lose a ton, they make a ton, they lose a ton, they make a ton. Most entrepreneurs hate risk. And I remember somebody telling me that and I, you know, I kind of shook my head like, what do you mean entrepreneurs hate risk? And, you know, entrepreneurs have a dream about what they want to do and then they find out a, a way to manage the risk. 
But most entrepreneurs don't love risk. I don't love risk. But you have to take on certain risk to get to the goal line. And that's what it's all about. I love the way you put that. That's a really great way to uh, to say that. Uh, well, Josh, take us back to the beginning of Charm City Run now. You said when it first started, it was slow. What did you guys do to to try to bring the people in and really get yourselves ingrained in the community? Everything. So, it, I mean, you know, when the only person coming in the store during the day is your mom um, <laughs> and she's looking for stuff to buy just to make you feel better, you, you just start thinking like, I need to do whatever it takes. And lo- And luckily there was a little bit of a model out there, you know, I knew that I needed to be friendly with the gyms, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm going to every single gym. Most of the time I don't even get by the front desk, but every once in a while, you know, personal trainers were super important to our business. Here's what we do. Here's how we can keep your clients healthy. So they keep training. Here's a couple things to sort of listen for, and then you can refer them to us and we can help them. The medical community was super important. I reached out to every podiatrist I could find in the yellow pages. Yep. All the way back then, the yellow pages, (laughs) athletic trainers, all the sports medicine shops were reaching out to all of them, you know, and then it was about, you know, trying to advertise in a smart way, which was really hard because advertising was so expensive. Sure. And running specialty is a concept that sort of moves slowly in the sense that most people most people come into a running specialty store not because they heard an ad or saw an ad. It's because you told them to come in because you had a good experience. Mm-hmm. And word of mouth is very slow advertising. Yeah, and you didn't even have social media then either to use the sort of guerrilla marketing that you can use now. You know, you know, people wearing your T-shirt and they're posting it, then everybody else starts seeing that. You didn't have that option back in 2002 no. when you guys were opening up. No, not at all. And I mean, social media is so powerful. And in today's world, I mean, it's just, it's hard to imagine being without it. I mean, all of our virtual races and and seeing the pictures and the smiles and people connecting with each other across state lines, it's just, it's awesome. You know, word of mouth is definitely how I discovered you when I first uh, decided to try to get into running back. I want to say it was like 2009, 2010 ish. Um, I was talking to a friend. I just said my feet hurt. These shoes that I have are terrible. And they said, go to Charm City Run. And that was it. Like nothing is go to Charm City Run. They're going to take care of you. And since then, I will only go to Charm City Run to get my shoes. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. My first pair was, uh, a Miz- I think it was Mizuno, and they were like just crazy colors all over. And that, that's always been a thing for me anyway, is just like the crazy color shoes. You like the crazy color And running shoes. community, gosh, they have so many. I mean, there's so many oh, shoes no. <laughs> So when you first open up, doors are slow. You're doing everything you can to g- attract attention. I'm sure there was some time at the beginning where you were kind of feeling the stress of being a business owner and wondering, is this really going to work out? What was the moment where you were like, damn, we got it. Like we are in now, we are set, we are moving forward. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I mean, come on, Josh, you got seven stores. I feel like you've done some pretty good stuff. <laughs> you know, um, there was, there were a couple of things. One is I got, I got some great advice from some people in the business community in, in Austin, which was don't wait too long to start a business because your bills start adding up. In other words, you know, one kid's expensive, sure. three kids is really expensive. Right. Um, you know, once you start getting used to a certain lifestyle, it's really hard to go backwards. So we started the business when we were 30 um, or young 30s. And, and you know, I knew that I knew that my kid would eat. I knew that my parents would take care of my kid if, if need be. And Kara grew up with very little. So, you know, we just lived on a bare bones budget. You know, we lived with my folks for a little while. 
And then it was just, let's get better every day. And I think after about five years, we were like, okay, we're going to be able to support our family. At some level, we're going to be able to support our family. But it certainly wasn't one or two years, you know? Yeah. But I did. I, I was reassured because we were getting better every day. That's awesome. That's a good thing to watch. Yeah. yeah, it must be a good feeling to see that happen. Like, okay, we're starting to make the move, starting to take the steps forward. When did you get into the events portion of it? Yeah, so really early. So, okay. you know, it, Runtex had an events business. And it was easy to notice that when I was going there for our training programs at 5 a.m. Saturday morning, when we finished and we were hanging out outside the store, people picking up their packets were lining up to get in the door. And so when the doors opened on Saturday morning, it was exciting. There was a buzz. It wasn't like there was one customer there. There were 50 customers there. And so from the get go on Saturday morning, it was super exciting, you know, and then I worked there a little bit before starting this. So I saw it firsthand and I kind of tucked that away. Didn't think too much of it, but knew that I wanted to get in the events business at some point. And then 9-11 happened. And so we're back home visiting family. 9-11 happens. I mean, it's devastation. And I remember walking on the beach and like FA-18s are patrolling the coast, just sort of this crazy atmosphere. And I remember thinking, we're going to do a race on 9-11 next year in Baltimore City. We're going to bring everybody together and we're going to do it on the date. And the date was a Wednesday. And so Dave Cooley was doing all the events around here. Um, And he owned the finished product. And so I met with Dave and convinced him to do this race with me. I don't know how. It was probably the craziest decision he ever made. (laughs) Um, And we became very close and we still are close. And at the end of that, we decided to come together. So we merged and we were in the event business. And you're not even just in the event business from the standpoint of you guys operating your own races, but you get together with charitable organizations too, and you help them run their races as well. So, I mean, like you've got your, say your B3 series or your NCR 20 miler, you've got those races, which are your races that you guys work on. But then, you know, say St. Jude has a 5k, they can call you up and they can work with you on that aspect too. Exactly right. So we have, we're doing about 130 races a year Wow. in a normal year. Well, yeah, sure. And, and 20 of those we founded, we own, we operate, we control all the aspects of the race. And 110 of those, we're working for other folks. You know, we're working for those organizations and we're coming to them and saying, hey, look, you have really important things to do and you want to put on a 5K to raise money for your cause. We're going to help you do that. We're going to tell you everything you need to do and we're going to take care of race day. Um, and that's been a worthwhile service. Yeah, I I always love whenever I see the Charm City Run logo anywhere, I'm like, all right, I know this is legit. Like, I know this is going to be run well. I know we're in for a good day. Everything is going to be fine. Good. Appreciate it. And I love hearing that. And that's got to feel good, too. Yeah, I mean, your brand recognition is so strong now in Baltimore and the area that when people see that, they know, okay, this is something that I want to be a part of. And You know, and we hear that a lot, you know, and, and it puts good pressure on us. You know, there's an expectation for a Charm City Run event. Do you ever stop? I know a race day, especially a big race, uh, is a, a crazy day for people that are organizing it. Do you ever stop and just look at the crowd and soak it in and go, wow, like this is, we've built this? Every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, just hearing you say it almost brings me to tears. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, standing up there in front of Soul of the City, you know, where the Shamrock race, 
um, you know, with Shamrock, you know, it's, we have two to three blocks of wall to wall people all in green, excited, (laughs) fired up. They're there with their families. They're having the time of their lives. And I'm like, we did this. We brought it together. And, and now, you know, the business is in a place, you know, where Will Murdoch runs that side of the business and, and he's taken over most of the pre-race ceremony stuff. And, and I just get to sit back, you know, sort of be invisible and just watch him do his thing and watch people wearing our logo and running past me. And I just get to observe the whole thing and I don't take it for granted. And you shouldn't. And I'm glad that you don't because uh, I, I can see it just, you know, talking to you. I, I say see it because we're talking via FaceTime, but I can see it on your face while you're telling the story. There is a sense of pride there and you should absolutely have that sense of pride with everything that you guys have built. It's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. Um, so your favorite of the races that you guys do, you've got some pretty incredible ones and very unique ones here in Baltimore too, that give you, give each runner a different experience. Which one's your favorite that you guys have gotten behind? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a hard question. (laughs) It's like, it's like Um, asking your favorite child, right? (laughs) I'm never right. I am going to totally dodge the question like a good politician. Okay. So there, (laughs) there is nothing like the energy at the start of the Shamrock race, right? There is nothing like being on Ford Avenue and seeing people come out of McHenry Row, fired up, ready to run and that kind of thing. And then, you know, Charles Street 12 has a special place in my heart because it's something that I've always dreamed of. You know, the Broad Street run in Philly. I think Charles Street is one of the most beautiful historic streets in the country. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to give people the opportunity to run that Um, and to run that and finish at one of our most proud companies, Under Armour. I mean, that gives me immense joy. And Charles Street's a story. And I love running that story from the Baltimore suburbs, you know, all the way through Midtown, all the way into Locust Point. There's a ton of history there. And I, and I try to think about all those buildings and all those spots when I'm running it. And I usually am a totally anonymous observer at the finish of the Baltimore Women's Classic. And that's, that's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. A lot of women who finish that race have never finished a race before. There's tears of joy. There's three generations running together. There's people of all different colors and origin and that kind of thing. And it's a, it's a very powerful, happy day. You know, it's funny is that's a race that I can't take part in, but that would have been the one that I would say would be my favorite. Like I, I love going as a spectator. My wife has run on that a few times and it's just, it's amazing to watch, as you just said, like watch the reactions of people as they cross that finish line. It doesn't matter how long it takes them to do it. It is such a special moment for these women that are, you know, accomplishing a goal they set for themselves. And it's just fascinating. Like even the support teams that are there, you know, the husbands, the partners, whatever that are there. It's just an awesome party there in that atmosphere. It's great. It's great. And then, you know, that's what, that's what we're supposed to be all about. You know, we're supposed to help people get to that goal, that sense of accomplishment. So seven locations now. You started in Timonium and you've moved into different areas around the Baltimore area. You also have one out in Frederick, too. How did that one come about? Because, you know, Frederick's not that far from Baltimore, but it's not exactly in the backyard either. Right. I mean, Frederick feels a lot different, right? I mean, that community is a lot different. And there was an owner there who started at the same time that we did. And his name was John Kippen. And the store was called If the Shoe Fits. And John and I... Um, had a lot of love for each other. I, you know, I just thought he was a great human being and we would trade notes a lot and we looked at the world a lot in the same way. I'm a huge Orioles fan too, which always makes me happy. We just kept talking through the years and it was a second career for him. So he's about 20 years older than me. And I think he, um, you know, last couple of years, he just said, hey, you know, when I look to 
when I look to move on, I'm making one phone call and that's to you. And I, and I was incredibly honored by that gesture. And, and he made that phone call and we talked about a couple of things and, and we made it happen relatively quick. And I, I think he's proud to, to have that there yeah. and that it lived on um, after he stepped down. And that also he just had a phenomenal team in place with a great culture and culture is really what we're selling, you know, that positive attitude and that we're willing to do anything for you. And, and that was already there. We didn't have to build that. So th- that's been great. Well, as the running community has changed and grown over the years, other stores have come into the market and places have opened up that are also offering similar services to what you guys offer. How has Charm City Run stayed ahead of the curve with other people coming into town? Effort, effort. I, you know, I'd like to think it has a lot to do with our culture, our employee stability. People come to work at Charm City Run and they don't leave. I think it's because we we attract the right people and also because they're passionate about the support and they're passionate about the brand. And I and I hope it's because we do things the right way um, in terms of giving back to the community and and our mission's authentic. We're not doing things and saying things to make money. We're we're doing things and saying things because we we believe in we believe in what we're doing and we believe in the power of this sport. You know, competition is something to always know about, but you shouldn't react to competition. You know, you need to be you and I think we've always been true to ourselves and, you know, and I'm proud of the culture we built. I like how you keep using the word culture because I really think even before I met you or did anything with Charm City Rum, when I had gone in to get my first pair of running shoes, that's what I noticed was the culture in the in the store, the Timonium location. And that's what kept me coming back because I thought these people here really enjoy what they're doing and they're really willing to help me. I don't feel like I'm bothering someone to say, hey, do you have a size 11 and a half of these shoes? I'd love to try them on. They're asking me first if I need to try any shoes on. They're willing to put me on the treadmill to see how my feet work. And it's not the same experience that I've had in other places. Not to say that I've had bad experiences at other places, but it just seems to be a step above what I've experienced elsewhere. And, and I, I feel like that's a great place to commend you on is because that culture is so strong. We're far from perfect, but we try really, really hard. And I'm, I'm hopefully a, a good boss and a good teammate, but we need to bring it every single time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we're always right. And that doesn't mean we're always having a good day. Uh, but we talk about it a lot. You know, you walk in that door and we need to be our best, not fake, but be our best. How is the impact of the situation that we're currently in been for you guys? I mean, are you hanging in there as best you can? That's exactly right. I mean, we're hanging in there the best we can. Look, everybody's hurting, but we're not going to complain about things. Having said that, you know, we're down, we were down 80%. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, you know, we're down about 60 to 70% now. We can survive this hit and it'll be an expensive hit, Yeah. Uh, but we'll come out the other side. And I, and I hope and believe that we will be better. You know, there's, there are things we're doing now that we were forced to do that we'll continue to do. From a store standpoint, obviously things have changed for you, but also from the event standpoint too. I mean, I know you've had a lot of events that have already been canceled or changed, and there's probably more in the future here this year that are also going to change as well as we start to see things develop. Fingers crossed you can get something in uh, this year, but we, you know, we never know what's going to happen here. How do you see that changing as time goes on? I mean, do you think that the race culture will change a little bit as a result of this, or do you think we're going to jump right back in? That's a really good question. You know, I mean, I think retail and in the race business, we were we were thinking that it would be a slow ramp while people got comfortable being around other people. Um, for the stores that have opened, 
um, I've been very pleased to see that people are ready. They are ready to come out. They are ready to be with other people. They're ready to be at running stores. And and obviously we're being really careful and taking all the precautions, but people are ready to be out there. So I think when it's time and we're allowed to have these large gatherings, I think a lot of people will be there and they will be hungry to run. In the intermediate term, we have to get extremely creative. Mm-hmm. And Will is working that hard. So, I mean, we're talking about doing races where we have 10 people start at a time, right? So sort of this massive shotgun start, like every two minutes, 10 more people are starting, you know? And then we have to think through the finish line venue. You know, how do we provide an experience where people can get their beer, can get their bananas, yeah. can get their pretzels, but not congregate, you know, in a large group? So we think we'll have some pretty good test runs this summer in Hartford County in wide open spaces that are smaller events where we'll be able to test out some of these accommodations. But the massive downtown races, when we're allowed to and the powers that be say it's safe, I think people will come back in a huge way, but we're a long way from there. Yeah. That first race back is going to be an interesting one. You know, that first, the first big race, like, as you say, when people start to feel comfortable and you get the green light, that first big race back could be a pretty impressive event. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. People are, people are excited to be with other people. And and I've, you, you know, in the, in the media a lot, you hear about all the people that are breaking the rules that don't care, that refuse to wear a mask, you know, I've, I've found the opposite in real life. You know, people are, have been very courteous to each other. Sure. Um, people are taking the precautions that they should take. You know, people are wearing a mask when they go to talk to other people. You know, we're fitting people now. Both people have masks on. There's a ton of hand washing and sanitizing. Um, and I think for the most part, we're respective of our fellow man and woman. And, and I hope that that's a positive that comes out of this whole thing is just a little bit more civility and caring for um, for your fellow man and woman. Yeah. All right. So back onto the business side of things, it's kind of tough. This is a loaded question for you, but what does the future of Charm City Run look like? Probably different than it looked like a couple of months ago. I mean, you know, a couple of months ago, we were um, sort of aggressive in the sense that we were investing in sort of a mobile van and that kind of thing to come to events with and sort of have a mobile selling unit. Mm -hmm. Certainly online, you know, I mean, look, we flipped our business from being a person-to-person one-on-one business to being almost an entirely online business. And now we're sort of getting the balance back, right? (laughs) Yeah. So we didn't create this to be an invisible online dispenser of shoes, right? But now we have the online tools to offer every style, every color of shoes. So, you know, we've been very pleased that our loyal and faithful customers through this mess have been supporting us online and we can meet their needs online. And so that's great. And so our online offering will continue to get bigger for sure. We will invest in sort of this mobile unit and have mobile sales that look a lot better than a couple of cardboard boxes at events. And look, we'll be acquirers when it makes sense. I mean, you know, I mean, I think this has been really hard on a lot of stores and, you know, when stores want to get out or retire or move on, we'll, we'll listen to those opportunities for sure. Well, Josh, I got one last question for you, then I'll let you get back to work. Uh, But any regrets as you look back over the years? That is a tough question, St. Pierre. That's why I save it for the end, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, business-wise, my biggest regrets have been long-term, really expensive leases where we've lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we learned a lot from the Vita concept in, in Belvedere Square, but that was a really expensive mistake. So I think staying true to who we are, you know, we try to do that sort of 
um, all all women's boutique concept, and that didn't really work out for us. So I think, you know, staying true to who we are and being very careful about signing long-term commitments for expensive real estate. Well, Josh Levinson, uh, owner and founder of Charm City Run, I, I really appreciate you taking some time. The story is pretty fascinating to me anyway, and I, I love how you've been able to grow here in Baltimore as the running community has also grown. I love that you've been accepted and embraced and brought into that community, and, and now you're really kind of a focal point of that whole community here in town. And so glad that we have had the chance to meet each other over the years, and I look forward to getting back out there on the streets and running some more events with you guys here, hopefully in the near future. Can't wait to see you out there. And it's been an honor to be on your show. So really appreciate it. An Thanks honor. So I don't get that very often, Josh. That's good. No, it's been an honor. <laughs> totally. Big thank you to Josh Levinson for joining me on the show today. If you want to find out more about Charm City Run, I did post details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening today. Don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a comment and follow us on social media. Be More Well Podcast on Instagram and Be More Well on Twitter.